How's everybody doing? Good, good. Wasn't that worship service amazing? Amazing, right? God is good. God is good and God is faithful. God is faithful to meet us uh, each and every Sunday here at the River Church, but just especially love the time of worship. I mean, just, just amazing. Makes this uh, really just a, an easy job. Pastor Bradley and I always joke about it. We could come up here and, you know, maybe say a couple nice things and we can just go home because we've already met God. You know, we've already, we've already met with God, you know, but... Uh, but all serious, in all seriousness, I'm very excited about what we're going to be talking about this morning. It's the day of Pentecost. If you're new to faith or, or you're new to church and you haven't really been around a church too long, um, you know, we'll, I'll give you the kind of spark notes version of what Pentecost is, and then we're actually going to read out of the Bible. It's a really amazing thing to do in church, right? Uh, but the day of Pentecost uh, is basically 50 days after Passover, um, and it was a, a Jewish celebration originally, but on the day of Pentecost, uh, the believers... Of, of Christ, about 120 of them were up in the upper room. Uh, and to put that in context, this church can hold like 144 chairs, right? So imagine this church to be, you know, pretty full, right? That's about how many people that were there. And that all of the people were in, in one room together, all of the believers, and they were praying and seeking God. And uh, as Bradley read earlier, uh, there was a sound like a, a mighty rushing wind that comes in. And the believers are, are filled with the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. And this is really important. Uh, this is not in my notes, but let's, let's just go down this path for a second. This is important. The day of Pentecost is very important because in the Old Testament, what would happen is you would see stories like uh, David, for, for instance. Many times the Bible would say the Spirit of the Lord came upon David, or, or whoever else is in the story, the hero of the story, the Spirit of the Lord came upon the prophet to speak the words of God. But, but in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, the, the Spirit of the Lord would come to empower the man or woman of God to do something powerful, but then it would leave. The Spirit would leave. The Spirit only came upon that person for a particular moment in time to do what God wanted to do. And so it was very much uh, come and go, right? If, if Esther needed power to do what she was going to do, she was empowered. King David needed power to do what God wanted him to do, he was empowered. But it was a power that was not a staying power. It wasn't a power that stayed with them. And the important thing about Pentecost is that on this day that we celebrate today, like Bradley said, the birth of the church, the believers are filled with the Holy Spirit, meaning that God's Spirit did not come and then leave, but God's Spirit came and stayed. And that is a powerful, powerful thing to understand because when you really think about it, that means that Tuesday afternoon, this week, when you're at your job, God is with you. He has not left you. He has not forsaken you. He has not gone away, but He is an ever-present source of help in our times of struggle. Amen? He is always with us. The Holy Spirit is poured out on Pentecost for the believer and that we may have God with us all the time. Amen? That's powerful, and that's really important. That's why this is such a powerful day and a really important thing to dive into because the believers are there, and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. It really marks, it's, it ignites the flame, so to speak, and, and the church is, is born from there. And as we're going to read here in a minute, instantly 3,000 people are saved. It's just amazing. It's just amazing, right? So with that being said, let's go and open up our Bibles if, if you do. I, I did not 
put these on the screen. There's a lot of scripture in here. I didn't feel like typing all of it out and, and making or making uh, Weber do it. So uh, with that being said, uh, let's get out our Bibles. Maybe that's a, a good thing to do in church. So if you have your phone, I'm not going to judge you. Just don't be on Facebook. Go ahead and pull out your Bible app or, or your physical Bible if you have it. And we're going to start reading. We're just going to do Acts chapter 1, and, and we're going to start reading there. And then uh, we are going to be kind of skipping around. So make sure you're following with me. Give you a few moments there to turn to Acts chapter 1, and then we'll be able to, to dive into it. All right. Hopefully you're there. If you're not there, there's no hope for you, so just listen. I'm just kidding. Acts chapter 1. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach. By the way, if you're on your, a digital version, I'm, I'm in the NLT, you can switch over there if you want to have the exact wording. Until the day that he was taken up into heaven after giving uh, his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, Jesus appeared to the disciples from time to time and proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Okay? So, when the, when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has, has the authority to set those dates and times. They are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance of half a mile. When they arrived, they went to the upper room of the house where they were staying. Okay, let's end there for, verse, for chapter 1. Now let's head on out over to chapter 2. We're going to start at verse uh, 1. On the day of Pentecost, so, so there's a little bit of timetable here uh, where, where basically they say, hey, Judas, one of the uh, uh, apostles, betrayed Jesus. Um, if you don't, if you, maybe you haven't heard that story. It's a part of Easter. Judas betrays Jesus, and that's how Jesus ends up going to the cross. Judas is dead now. And so they say, well, we need to replace him. So they, they basically take a vote and cast lots and then figure out, hey, uh, we're going to have Matthias uh, join us now. So just skip over that part. Uh, verse, or chapter 2, verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everybody present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And at that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. They were bewildered to hear their own language being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, 
Say that ten times fast. And all we hear about these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. But the others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that's all. <laughs> then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you, I just think that's always so funny. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see, dream, will see visions. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke, and the sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before the great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There's even more. It's just, it's just an amazing chapter. People of Israel, listen. So Peter now is emboldened by the Holy Spirit. He stands up on a platform and starts preaching. Okay, this is... Maybe I should just read this sermon instead of preaching mine, yeah? People of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew what would happen, and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him up to life, for death could not keep him in its grip. King David said this about him when he said, I see that the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and my tongue shouts his praises. My body rests in hope, for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You have shown me the way of life and you fill me with the joy of your presence. Dear brothers, think about this. You can, cannot be sure that Patriarch David was referring to himself, for he died and was buried, and his tomb is still here among us. But he was a prophet, and he knew God had promised an oath uh, that one of David's own descendants would sit on the throne. David was looking into the future and speaking of the Messiah's resurrection. He was saying that God would not leave him among the dead or allow his body to rot in the grave. God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. Now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us just as you see and hear today. For David himself never ascended into heaven, yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit in the place of honor at my right hand till I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their hearts and they said to him, the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and to your children and to, and to those far away, excuse me, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourself from this crooked generation. Those, not much has changed, right? Those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church about 3,000 in all. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including Lord's Supper, and to prayer. 
A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, shared in meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Quite a bit of scripture there, right? Quite a bit of scripture. Maybe I should be a professional audiobook reader. I don't know. Um, there's a lot in there. It's a lot in there. But I, how many of you believe the Bible is powerful? The Word of God is powerful. More powerful than anything Bradley or I could say. And I wanted to read all that scripture because that, that, there's so many things that are powerful in there. So many things that, that the Word says. So many things that, that, that Peter says. So many amazing points that he makes. And so many things that he says that, that I could come up here and I could stand and, 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 and just preach my sermon without reading the scripture. But how silly would that be? Wanted to dive in. I wanted to read that whole chapter. So I hope you got that. And I would encourage you to go home today and just read it yourself. And if you're not a reader, listen to it, right? Whatever it is, however you can digest it. Acts chapter 2, a very, very powerful chapter. But let's pray, and then we're going to hop into the message today. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the way in which you've already met us. Lord, I pray in these next few moments, Lord, that you would uh, Lord, just, just open the ears of the people to hear. Lord, open our hearts to, to understand what you're saying to us today, Lord. And, and Lord, just bless, uh, bless this message that's about to go forth. Lord, we love you. Lord, we thank you. It's in your powerful, powerful name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, there was a, there was a, a Tuesday talk. I'm saying what's plug here. We had two weeks ago, the first original one, uh, where we were talking just about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and, and really what these Bible studies are intended for, really a discussion in, in response to the sermon that's preached on Sunday morning. And Bradley preached about the gifts of the Spirit. And so we started talking about it. And it was just a really fantastic discussion about how God has gifted certain people with certain abilities and certain things and how God wants to use all of us to, to glorify Him and to advance the kingdom. And then uh, we were talking, and, and, and one thing that Mauricio had, had brought up was, was a word that's just been sticking with me for several weeks now, the word desire, to desire. The Bible says to desire the gifts, to desire the things of God, right? I've been kicking around that word and just thinking about it, desire. And I was thinking about, as I was preparing for this message, you know, a couple of us had the privilege of going to play in a, a basketball tournament yesterday. And I was thinking about another word with desire is passion, is passion. You know, and this is silly, but, you know, I go up and as I frequently do, shoot a layup and it would brick off the backboard and miss completely. <laughs> I'd get so mad at myself, Walker, what are you doing? You know, I, I, I don't ever, like, I don't curse, obviously, because that would not be good for a pastor to do that. But I always yell at myself, I'm like, Walker, what are you doing? You know, and I'm just so mad at myself. You know, there's so much passion there. And I was thinking about it. I was thinking about all the, the silly little things in life that we have so much passion about that really, in the grand scheme of things, have no significance in our life, right? Whether I make that layup or miss it is not going to determine where I go for eternity, right? It's not going to, it doesn't have any sort of, it doesn't even have any impact on my family or my life or any of my friends. Nobody's going to love me less because I missed a layup, you know? I love my, I hate myself because I missed it, but I'm just kidding. No, but, but I th was thinking about that and I was thinking about how much we, you know, particularly uh, me and, and, and 
and others that are, that are Chiefs fans. You know how we put so much desire and passion into, into the sports that we love. And before you non-sports lovers start judging us, there's many things in our lives that we all put our passion and desire into. Whether that's maybe you like to, I don't know, maybe, maybe you really enjoy your, a particular TV show. And every time that new episode comes out, you would drop everything to go watch that new TV show. Maybe that's your desire, that's your passion. Maybe your, your desire or passion is animals. Maybe you, you love caring for your pets. Maybe you have all these things, and, and it's not bad to have desires or passions. I don't plan on stopping playing basketball anytime soon, although I probably should. But uh, no, the, the point I'm making is that oftentimes in life, we, we have a lot of passions and desires that are really silly. And they don't really equate to much. And, and I, I do think on this note, I will, I will uh, say this. You know, I was with Bradley once at a Chiefs game, and I was, we were talking and just about how there's, there's people who, like, you know, I know that it's just a little passion of ours, but there's people who literally live their whole lives for things like that, you know? And I know we're, we're, it's kind of silly, but they do. There's people who live their whole lives dedicating themselves to something that's really trivial and meaningless at the end of the day, right? And so I've been thinking about this idea of desire, of desire, and, and how we as humans have a lot of desires for a lot of, of things. We have a lot of passion for a lot of things, and not all of them are bad. But, but a, a youth pastor once gave me some, some really great advice. He said, Walker, never let the good thing become the best thing. Never let the good thing become the best thing. Just because it's a good thing in your life, it should never be the Lord of your life. Should never be the Lord of your life. And I wonder how many times in our life do we let our desires and our passions, whether that's our desire for more money or a desire for, for to be liked or to be to 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 be in a relationship with someone or or a desire to to accumulate more stuff. You know, how often do we let these kind of trivial desires in our life take that place of Lord of our life, right? I've been kicking around this idea of desire a lot, and I just ask myself. Do I desire God? And my question for you this morning is, do we desire God? Do you desire God? Do you desire to know Him more? Do you desire to know the ways of God and the things of God? Do you desire to know Him in a deeper way? Do you desire to know and do you desire to spread his kingdom? Do you have a passion for his kingdom? Do you have a zeal for his kingdom? Do you have uh, that, that desire deep down, that burning desire in your heart to see the things of God come to pass in your world? Do you, do you really, really love God? Do you really desire God? And that's a question to internally ask yourself. I want to internally look in this morning and ask ourselves that. And these are questions I've been asking God. Do I desire the things of God or do I desire the things of man? Do I want to see God's kingdom grow or my kingdom grow? Do I want to see God's word spread or do I want people to hear my words? Right? All questions we have to ask ourselves, where is our heart? Where is our desire at? The Bible talks incessantly about the heart and how the heart is wicked and deceitful above all things. If we follow our way and our heart, it will lead to a road of destruction, right? We've got to turn to Him and desire the things of God, desire what He wants. We've got to ask God to change our heart, to take our heart of stone, as Ezekiel would say, and give us a heart of flesh, right? What I see when I read the scriptures this morning from Pentecost is this. is very simply put, I read from, I've read from chapter 1 for this reason. That after they heard the words that the Lord Jesus Christ said, uh, hear, hear this again. 
He said, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The disciples had passion. They had zeal. They desired to see the kingdom of God move. They desired to see what Jesus had started, continued. They desired to see things happen for the kingdom of God. They desired to do the will of God. They desired to do what Jesus wanted them to do. So what did they do? They went and they waited. But they didn't just wait. The the desire and the zeal continued. They, They waited with 120 people in a room for days on end, praying incessantly, praying, God, send the gift. Send the gift that Jesus has promised us. Send the Holy Spirit. They've been praying for this and praying for this and praying for this. And I just wonder, church, where is our desire at? Are we praying? praying for a move of God? Are we praying for more of God's spirit in our life? Are we praying for more of God's favor? Are we praying for his hand to be over our life? Are we praying for him to fill us so we can be a blessing to somebody else? Where are our desires at? Because they're sitting in this room, all of these people together for all of these days, disciplined to what God wanted them to do. They had a zeal. They had a passion. They had a desire for what God wanted them to do. They knew that God was about to do something big in their life. They knew that God was about to do something big. And we heard it prophesied this morning. I know that you believe it, but how many of you believe that God has good things in store for you? And if you don't believe that, I really hope the Holy Spirit brings that truth to your life because God does have good for you. God does have good things in your future, right? And they knew that God had something good in their future. They knew that the Holy Spirit was coming. They knew that God was going to send a gift. And so they were praying. They had a desire to see it come to pass. They had a zeal for God's house, much like Jesus had a zeal for the things of God. They were learning after their teacher, right? And so, so they were there and they were praying. And, and, and they were... They were seeking God. And I've got to think that in their life at that time, there was many things that were probably trying to distract them. They had families, keep in mind. They had jobs, keep in mind. They had finances, keep in mind. They had health issues, keep that in mind. They had all the kind of things, crazy family members in their ear. How many of you know what we're talking about, right? How many of you know that they had all of these things going on? Yet they stayed committed to what they knew God wanted them to do. And I fear, I fear that as the church, what happens sometimes is we get distracted. God, uh, Jesus tells a parable. He tells a parable of the sower scattering seed. And what happens is, is, is there's, a, there's a person walking along who's scattering seed. And the seed represents the, good, the word of God, the, the word of God, the message, the gospel being, being spread forth. And what happens is there's multiple people that receive this. And one of the groups of people I want to identify this morning that Jesus talks about is the one who initially receives the word, but then he gets distracted by the worries and the stresses of this life. How many of you can say that's been me before? I know it's been me. We all go through it, right? We all go through it. And if the enemy can't destroy you, he will distract you from your purpose in God. He'll send all sorts of stress, all sorts of things your way that are going to try and pull you away from what God has for you. But don't let it happen, church. Stay devoted. Stay disciplined. Stay on course for what God has for you because he has great and mighty things for you. We have a a tendency as as Christians, as humans, to be all ADHD to, to, to one minute we're very focused on what God has for us and then we just turn 
turn right back to the things of this world. And, and we can't let it happen. We've got to stay on course of what God has for us to, to keep our desires and what God wants for us. And how do we do that? It's not by might. It's not by power, but by his spirit. It's by continually seeking him, by continually seeking him. And if you thought, you've sought, you, if you thought that you've sought him enough, seek him more right? If you, it, there's so many times in our life where we feel like we've reached it. We feel like we've arrived. We're in a good place with God, right? And that's right when the enemy begins to distract us, gets it to, to take us off, off track. And so once again, church, I want to ask you the question this morning, where are your desires? Where are your desires? A way to think about this is, have you ever, ever, have you ever thought about your thoughts? Have you ever thought about what you think about on a daily basis? Because that will tell you a lot about where your desires are. It will tell you a lot about where your heart is. If your thoughts are continually on, you know, maybe, maybe it's stress, right? You wouldn't really say it's a desire, but you could say it's a distraction, something that's keeping you away from, from what God has for you, right? Where are your thoughts at? What do you desire the most in life? That is where your heart is. That's where your heart is. And I believe that God is calling us to a place like he called the disciples to. To a place where they, they were decided that they were going to do what God called them to do. That they were not going to turn. They were not going to bend. They were not going to break. But God had called them to go and wait. And so what did they do? They went and they waited. And they desired to see God move in their life. They desired to see that happen. And lo and behold, what happened? He moved. He moved, amen. He moved. I want to read a couple of scriptures to you. These are scriptures I do have on the screen. Chris, if you could turn to the, to the next slides there. This is one of my favorite scriptures. I referenced it in my last sermon. I'll, I'll, I'm going to use it as a, as a cornerstone verse today. Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. I love that scripture. I'm going to read it again. And there's another version of it I want to read here in a second. But you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. The other version says, if you look for me, not half-heartedly, wholeheartedly, you will find me. You will find me. How many of you in here want to know God more? I would imagine if you're in this place this morning, you probably want to know God more, right? If you're in this place this morning, you want to have a deeper relationship with God. You want to be closer to God. You want to feel his presence. You want to feel his love, his peace, his security over your life and over your family, right? You want to know God more. How do we know God more? How do we get to a deeper place with him, to a deeper walk with him? We seek him. We seek him, not just half-heartedly. You know, we seek him wholeheartedly. We seek him with everything, with our whole being, with our mind, with our power, with our strength, with our talents, with our abilities, with our life, with everything that we are and everything that we will be. We seek him and we look for him wholeheartedly. I remember this scripture struck me very distinctly as a, as a young man going through youth group whenever I felt like I was in a season where I just felt like I was just going to church and it just felt like, kind of like, bleh. You ever been there? You're just going to church and hopefully, hopefully it's not when you're going to this church, but I know what happens. I know, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there's many of you in here that walk in here on a Sunday morning sometimes and you say, you know what? I just feel like I'm just doing the thing. You know, I'm just, I'm just coming to church. I'm just singing the songs. I don't really feel anything. I don't really feel like God is really speaking. I don't really feel like, like I'm really getting what God has for me. I don't feel, it just feels like religion, you know? Anybody, right? Am I the only one? I know what happens, right? 
I remember I was in that place and I was, I was feeling, they call it a dry season if you're, you're in church lingo, right? You're, you're feeling dry. You're feeling like God hasn't really spoke to you in a while. I remember distinctly we're in a worship service and I remember that this verse came to my mind. I remember thinking to myself, God, I just, I just want to know you, but I just feel like this is just all bleh. And the scripture came to my mind. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. I felt the Holy Spirit ask me sharply, are you seeking me with your whole heart or just kind of doing it? Just kind of, you just kind of want to know me, you know? And I, and I feel like, and I know this is true because I've been here before, many, many times in our Christian walk, we just kind of want to know God, you know? It'd be nice if, it'd be nice if, we, if, we, if we had a great relationship with God, you know, it'd be nice if we really knew God. We kind of want it. And that's where I've been at before in my life many times, many times. But you know, when we're in that time where we feel like God is gone or God has left us, you know who's the one who's moved? It's us. The one who's changed their habits? It's us. The one who's changed their life or their mindset? It's us. We're the ones who have moved. We're the ones who have shifted. God is ever, ever constant, ever present. He's the one who, who never changes. We're the ones who change. And so I, once again, church, I want to ask you the question, where are our desires at? What are we seeking? What are we going after? Because what I see when I read this book, when I read Acts chapter 1 and 2, is I see 120 believers that were all out for the kingdom of God. I see 120 believers that wanted to see God's kingdom pass. And you know what happened when those 120 believers really stuck to what God wanted them to do? When those 120 believers really set their, set their eyes like flint and they, they were said, I'm going to do this right. When they said that we're going to go, we're going to seek God. You know what happened? 3,000 people were saved. And I just want a river church in a room this size. Isn't it fitting that this room fits 144? I, you know, I just wonder with a church this size, what would happen if we all got hearts aflame for God? If we all got, got really sought in, all, all in, we're, we're all chips on the table for what God has for us. We really said, God, I want to know you more. What would happen to the city of St. Joseph? What would happen to our community? What would happen to the homeless? What would happen to the hurting? What would happen to the sick and to the dying? What would happen to the loss in our community if we just said, God, I want all that you have for me what would happen what would happen where are our desires at this morning I believe that God is calling us to turn our desires over to him he's calling us to to, to a deeper place with him he's calling us to go deeper with him this morning he's calling us I know many of you have I know that in this worship time we just had I know that God took us deeper amen but I know that he's calling us to even even more to even more just a greater trust to greater faith, to greater hope. That's what God is calling us to. I believe that. I believe that. And I believe, Pastor Bradley said this morning, you know, we've been talking, just, I just feel like God is stirring something, not just in our church, but in many churches that we know, God is stirring something. God is doing something. Don't miss out on what God has for you. When you're in these worship times and you feel that pull, like Jesse said, you feel that pull. Sometimes it feels a little bit weird. You feel like God is pulling you. Don't miss out on what God has for you. You know, God has many, many great things in store. In River Church, if I could urge you to do anything this morning, it's just don't hold back. 
Don't hold back to what God has for you. God is calling you to something deeper. He's calling you to a greater walk with Him, to a closer relationship with Him. And maybe that relationship just started this morning, right? We praise God for that. He's calling you even deeper. Just a closer, what's the old hymn say? A closer walk with Thee. Just a closer walk with Him that every single day, every single day, every single day, Every single day when we wake up, we're walking hand in hand with him. We're walking the Holy Spirit right beside us. The Holy Spirit, not even beside us, in us. Working through us, right? That's the power of God in and through us. I believe that God is calling us to a deeper place, to, 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 to turn our desires towards the things of him, to turn our desires towards the kingdom, to advance the kingdom, to, to grow his kingdom. Amen? Amen. Amen. And when we do this, when we seek Him, the, the second part of this, of this is very, very powerful, right? If you look for me wholeheartedly, you might find me. No. He says, you will find me. You will find me. And whenever God is there, whenever we find Him, He gives us what He desires for us. So the second thing I want to talk about this morning is what does God desire for you? You might ask yourself, we're very transactional, right? The, 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 the big thing everybody's wondering is what's in it for me, right? That's the big thing everybody always wonders in life is what's in it for me. With this relationship that we have with God, the amazing thing about it is, is that whenever we seek him and we find him, he gives. He gives. He gives abundantly. We serve a father in heaven who delights to give good gifts to his children. I'm not just saying that. That's in the Bible. Jesus says that if, if you earthly fathers being evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will the heavenly father give the holy spirit to those who ask he gives us great gifts and so what does god desire for us god like i said desires to take us to a new place with him he desires to give us new gifting we talked about that several weeks ago but i believe that i believe that there's many people in here in this place that god wants to utilize you in powerful ways let me say that again, because maybe you don't believe it. I want, to re I want to reiterate it to you. There's many, many people, all of you people in here, God wants to use you in powerful ways. And maybe that's hard for you to hear because you've believed your whole life that you are weak and that you're worthless and that you're good for nothing. But I don't care what they have said about you. I care about what God has said about you. And he has called you. He's called you your son. You're a daughter of God. And that he has called you to a new life, to a new kingdom, to a new way of living. And he is calling you. So I believe there is new gifting. There's new gifting, there's new, new ability that God is calling you to, to go be a blessing to other people and he's going to use you in powerful ways. And many of you, he's already used you in many powerful ways, but the, the story doesn't end there, right? He's got much, much more planned in store for you, amen? I believe that God, God desires to give us new power, new power over sin, right? We don't talk about this enough in church, but we should because we're a Pentecostal church that whenever the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power. You will receive power, not just power to be a witness, but a power over sin, a newfound power over sin. How many of you in your life have a particular sin that just, it just comes back to you? You know, there's just something that just always comes back to you. You know, there's always that one thing. Maybe it's a little anger problem. You know, you just know that, man, I just want to, you know, you just want to get after him, right? Maybe it's something. Whatever it is in your life, maybe it's something the enemy keeps throwing at you. The, the, the Holy Spirit gives us new power gives us new power, and I believe that God desires to give us, that to us. I believe that God desires to give us new hope. New hope. I want to reiterate that point. 
because I believe there's many people in here and many people who might be watching on Facebook who've had a tough year. You've had a tough year. You've had a tough maybe couple of years, maybe a tough life, you know? And it feels like there's no hope that, that, that everything on the horizon, that, that whenever we say, you know, that, that God works all things for good, you can't resonate with that scripture. You know, we talked about that, that this past week in Tuesday Talks. Uh, Paul, who, who wasn't able to make it this morning, but he was sharing with us how when he went through his divorce, that scripture in Romans 8.28, that God works all things together for good for those who love him and called according to his purpose. That's a cornerstone scripture that we hang our hat on. But he hated it. He hated it when he first got divorced because he said, how can God work something good out of this? How can God work something good out of this? How can God work something good out of my, out of my issue, out of my problem? And maybe that's not your issue, but you've got another one. Maybe you've had some loss in your life. You've had some issues in your family. You've had some issues in your finances, in your health, in, 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 in your business, in your life. Maybe there's some things going on. But I believe that God wants to restore to us a new hope. A new hope that we have something to hang our hat on. That even if you've had some issues, you've had some things going on, that we serve a great and a mighty God. That we can place our hope in Him because He has not let us down. That even if we face death, even if we go to the grave, He will meet us there too. Amen? That, that is our blessed hope, our great and mighty hope. That even if this world fails, we have Jesus. Amen? I believe God wants to restore new hope to His people. New hope. And lastly, I believe that God desires to bring a new, a fresh wind to us. In the scripture here this morning, we read how the Holy Spirit came upon the believers on the day of Pentecost in a physical wind, a mighty windstorm that rushed through. But I believe for many of us believers in here who have been in church for many years, there's a time where the winds can get stagnant. You ever been on a hot summer day and there's no wind and you're just working and it's not very fun at all. But you get that little gust that comes through. That fresh wind feels so refreshing, so relaxing. I believe there's many of us in here who have devoted our lives to the Lord for many years. But I believe that God wants to give us, I know that He desires to give us a fresh wind, a fresh, a, a new anointing, a new, a new flow, just a new fresh touch from heaven. That maybe you've been serving the Lord for many, many years, but I believe that God wants to take us into a new season. I believe that God wants to take us even deeper, even deeper into a closer, closer walk with Him. I believe that. I believe that in my heart of hearts, that River Church, that He wants to do great and mighty things through us, and I believe that He will do those things. So don't hold back. Don't hold back. Give God everything that you have. Give Him your life. Give Him your heart. Give Him your soul. Say, God, whatever you have for me, Lord Jesus, I want it. Or whatever is in my plans, I want it. Or whatever you have for me, I want it. Because we all raised our hands in here and we said that we believe that God has good things for us, so why wouldn't we want those good things? So let's surrender to God. Let's, let's, let's surrender to God and allow Him to fill us. Allow Him to draw us closer. Allow Him to take us to a deeper place. Allow Him to transfigure our desires into desiring the things of the kingdom of heaven. And, and, and to stop worrying about the trivial things of this world. To wor stop worrying so much about whether or not Patrick Mahomes throws four touchdowns and I get 50 points in fantasy, right? To stop worrying about uh, you know, all the things, about the, the little things that the co-workers say and the, the things that are really in the grand scheme of things 
things insignificant. Let's not, get our, let's not focus our minds on that river church, but let's focus our minds on the things of heaven, on what God is doing in our life. Let's focus our lives on our family, on our relationships, on furthering the kingdom of God. Let's focus our lives on the homeless, on the sick, on the dying and the hurting. Let's focus our lives on those who are unsaved, who are lost. Let's focus our lives on those that we know need Jesus, right? Let's focus our hearts on that. Let's turn our lives towards that. One of the most powerful things that Bradley and I heard from Hal Donaldson at District Council was he was talking about how all different kinds of churches will bicker about this and that. And he said, who cares? Who cares whenever there's 50,000 babies this year that will be aborted? Who cares whenever there's people that are sick and that are dying right now? Who cares whenever there's people right now that are, that are dying and that, that don't know Jesus? Who cares about all of these trivial little things that we focus on every day? Next time that you have one of those things kind of happen, just ask yourself, does this really matter that much? Does this really matter that much? Does it really matter that much? Let's focus on things not that are temporal, but things that are eternal. You know what is eternal? Love. Love is eternal. You know what is eternal? Relationships. Relationships, the love between one another. You know what is eternal? Sacrifice. Selflessness. Those are things that are eternal. Those are things that last for eternity. The things that you do for the kingdom of God, the things that you do to build his kingdom, to spread his word, to be, to be a, you know, an ambassador for Christ, to go out there and to spread his word, those things are eternal. And those are the things this morning, River Church, on this powerful, powerful day of Pentecost, those are the things I'm urging us to focus on. I'm urging us to take a, take a look with it and say, where are my desires? And then if our desires are not where they need to be, it's not a matter of rolling up our sleeves and saying, I'm going to be a better Christian. No. We don't, we, don't, we don't ball up our fists and roll up our sleeves. We open our hands and lift them towards heaven. And we say, God, help me. God, help me. Help me to be a better person. Help me to be a better Christian. Help me to be a better follower of you. Help me to be full of the Holy Spirit so I can be the mother, the father, the son, the daughter, the aunt, the uncle, the co-worker, the whoever that you need me to be. Help me, Jesus. Help me. It's not by might. It's not by power. But by His Spirit. It's by His Spirit. It's by His Spirit that we accomplish these things. It's by His Spirit we have the power to love. It's by His Spirit that we have unity. It's by His Spirit that we have, have the, the, the power that we need to go take this to other people that need to hear it, right? That's where we get it. It's not inward. It's upward. It's, it's Him. It's Him. It's all Him. So what I want to do this morning is this. I know we've had a powerful, powerful time of prayer. I know we have. I know we have. I want to ask if, uh, if, if Hannah... Uh, we'll just come play softly. Just come play softly. And then uh, what I want to do is I do want to just have a time of little prayer here um, before we enter into communion where I just want us to just, just reflect. Surely just reflect and ask ourselves, where are my desires? What am I seeking first in my life? What am I putting first in my life? What, where are my desires at? What am I seeking above all. And then if it's not where it needs to be, ask God to help you. Ask God to help you. So uh, I'm going to stop not talking now. You know, I think a lot of times with, with Pentecostals and, and whatnot, we think there has to be a lot of 
hoopla and all these kinds of things for God to speak to us, but that's not true. Uh, I want to I enter into a time here where we just, I just want you to pray. I just want you to pray and to talk to God for yourself for a few moments. We're going to seek Him and ask Him, just God, examine my heart. God, examine my heart and, and, and show, me, show me where I need to change and show me what I need to change. Let's let Him do that now.